Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another week here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Our guests this week are Cody Dahl and Kai Reef of Top Hand Clinics. Cody and Kai have developed an amazing clinic series that is much needed in the Western industry. Their clinics focus on horsemanship, stockmanship, and faith. For more information, you can find them on Facebook at Top Hand Clinics or send them an email at tophandclinics at gmail.com. Now, should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is our conversation with Cody Dow and Kai Reef of Top Hand Clinics. For me, I think we've been really blessed because our, our way of life hasn't shut down as, as much as some others. I mean, we've still got colts standing out here that we're riding every day, and, and I know Cody uh, they still got cattle. They've still got stuff calving. They're still shipping. They're still doing everything. So as far as just our day-to-day life, it hasn't shut down near as much as, as some other parts of the, the world. But for the Top Hand Clinics specifically, we were super blessed that um, the clinic that we've that we've already had this year, um, it fell within all the, the guidelines, safety guidelines they told us we had to have, so it didn't limit us at all and uh, going forward we've got we've got a fundraiser coming up um september 19th and then we've got a couple more clinics coming up later in the year and it to be honest it hasn't it hasn't affected us at all we've tried to maintain all the the health guidelines that they tell us to but at the same time we're just we're just going forward it's an incredible blessing to keep rolling in that regard because for so many people, I mean, we talk about, you hear on the news and take that for what it's worth, right? <laughs> but you hear on the news, right, about, you know, people are isolating themselves and, and the overall mental health of the country is declining because of all the isolation because of COVID and the restrictions. But I, I firmly believe that the ag community and the Western community is rolling strong, just as you described for that reason, right? I mean, we work out on these larger outfits we're not socked in with a bunch of people like like people that live in the big city or town and and it has been a blessing and it's almost been great reiteration of of how blessed we truly are to live a lifestyle like this i mean and go out and wander on the property and we got acres and acres to roam and we're not pigeonholed into a neighborhood or or tied to a city or or the more conventional nine to five so it is great in that regard and I have seen in our immediate area, so we have a lot of ag out here, and a lot of the smaller outfits do what they call U-pick farms, right, where people can come in from town and, and just pay you know a certain fee and then pay per pound for whatever fruit they, they harvest off the, the orchards or the trees or whatever. Uh, but the county has placed such a demand on health that by the time you get the staff paid and all the outfit that you need to comply with that, a lot of these you pick farms this last season just didn't even open up, you know, which is a waste because now that's the lion's share of a harvest that's going to be gone and it's a huge deficit to a lot of their income. So it's good for you guys in the beef industry and, and where you're at with top hand clinics that you haven't seen such a significant impact as the lion's share of everybody else. 
Yep, exactly. That's like Kai was saying. It really, um, it's almost been like an equalizer because it put the rest of society kind of at the, uh, at the same, I guess, uh, living experience that yeah. we normally get on a regular basis. Absolutely. Um, just because like where the, the branch that, that Tanya and I are on, um, and we manage the, the cattle on it, it's probably 15 miles from the closest town anyways. Yeah. Um, and then it's two or three sections that are just blocked off by itself. So like, we might get highway traffic coming past, but otherwise life really hasn't changed much. It's, it's not completely desolate and isolated like some of those great big places out West. Um, but, but in the sense of things like it's, uh, it's one, it's a deal where you could go through a whole day and only see two or three guys that you might work with on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you see them a couple times a week or, or once a day when you all kind of meet back at the, at the shop, putting equipment away or whatever. So it really hasn't, hasn't changed too much for us. So it's been, it's been, it's been a real blessing. And honestly, it's almost opened up a little bit of a, of a preaching opportunity for me just because of being able to fill in um, a couple of places whenever churches did open back up. Yeah. um, Whenever pastors and stuff couldn't fill, fill the pulpit because of, of COVID restrictions or, or, um, things that they had going on, um, specifically in their own life, um, where it's kind of allowed us to be able to step more into that role also. Good stuff. Good stuff. So let's get into the history of, of you two. Uh, Cody, I'd like to start with you. Let's just talk a, a little bit about your upbringing and in the ranching community. And then Kai will cover a little bit of your history. And then I want to get into top hand and how it came to be. So, Cody, start where you wish as far as your history and ranching and riding and, and kind of your path traveled up into the creation of Top Hand Clinics. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess um, initially, um, like I say that a lot of people probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't believe it or, or know it just based on the, the life that we've lived the last 15 years or so since the graduation of high school and, and things like that. But growing up... Um, I lived on a on a five acre piece of ground that was basically just two hills that came together with with a ton of trees. Um, in Missouri, we call it a holler. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but uh, but basically, it'd just be really rough, rocky ground. Um, so we had, I think, growing up, I had a pony until I was like five or six, and then my dad raised a couple of pigs that we slaughtered um, just for our own our own pork. But otherwise most of my upbringing was only related around horses and cattle from, from relatives or family members, uncles or aunts or, or things like that. I really wasn't involved with horses much until, I don't know, shoot, probably, I think it was my junior year of high school. I got an opportunity to go and and help put up hay on a cousin that I had that had, that had relocated to uh, North central Colorado. And, uh, he had called and asked if for the summer I wanted to go and, and mow hay and, and just kind of have a summer job for him. So we took that opportunity and, uh, and I got to go out there and live with them for the summer. And we would ride health through those big, big pastures on yearlings or on their, uh, on their pears every morning. And then we would mow hay every afternoon. And, uh, that kind of set it on fire for me because I came back and went from a life where, I probably through high school, I would play baseball, um, 
I was super heavy into sports and I would probably play baseball from all oh, the end of February or about March 15th was whenever we would start um, our high school baseball season. We would play our high school season, then we would play a summer league, um, American Legion League, until school started again in August. And then in August, we would start fall ball and play fall ball until the end of November, at least. Um, so we would probably play baseball for, oh, 250 days a year, it seemed like. Just super heavy into it. So I wasn't, in, I was totally in on the sports and not really much in on this. But that summer, it kind of changed my whole perspective. And then throughout my senior year, it basically transferred over. And I went from um, where I signed a letter of intent to go and play baseball at college to uh, then I just enrolled in an agriculture school that was local and uh, and went and got an agriculture degree and, and kind of went down that path. Um, from there, um Really, it just kind of was bouncing around from job to job there for the first oh five or five or six years. I think um reflecting back um Tanya and I talked like we moved probably five times to five or six different jobs in the first five years that we were married and uh I don't think that she enjoyed that the way that I did but uh <laughs> but it was uh it was a good experience because it taught me a ton um, and taught me a lot of accountability for my own actions just because I'd start at one place and be like, Oh, well, they're just, uh, they're not going to work because they don't fit me and then yeah. bounce to the next one and be maybe six months or a year and then be like, Oh, well, they, they just don't do things right. So I'm going to the next place and so on and so forth until finally I realized the common denominator was me not necessarily them. Yeah. So uh, it made me have to reflect and, and change the way that I did some things and have to work a little harder and, and, and put things in, put things into perspective to where it was to the point where I could, uh, I could really focus on setting my life straight in a way that made it so that I was valuable. And I, I grew up especially in the sports aspect, it's always like it, everybody's got a chip on their shoulder. They have to prove their worth in a team environment. And I was the world's worst about it. I was pretty, pretty terribly uncoachable um, to the point where it just, I didn't feel like I could get any better. I just had to prove how good I was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that translated over in the first, the first bit of my, probably my late teens through my early twenties. Um, and that's part of where the passion for our clinics come from is from my own testimony of that. But, uh, it was to where I was fairly uncoachable and just, uh, just not terribly great to be around. And in general, it's, it's lucky that I do have the wife that I have because I met her through that period and she was willing to kind of stick with me and she's kind of been my saving grace. But it was, uh, that kind of all leads to the point where in 2014, um, we had spent about a year on a job that was not great. Um, but I had started developing that work ethic to where I was pretty dedicated to it. Um, and my wife got pregnant with our, our little girl. So we stuck through it and stayed for the whole year. Um, which in that point in my life was a pretty good milestone because we had the dedication to stay even when we didn't want to for an entire year. Um, and it was mostly due to needing the insurance for, for the, uh, 
for the hospital bill at birth and, and things like that. And at about two months of age, uh, for my daughter, we wanted to move back a little closer to home. So we came here to Santa Fe and, uh, that would have been in October of 2014. And, uh, I, I just came to work as a general ranch hand for a guy and, uh, it's an out of state owner. So, I really didn't meet them or know them for the first six months or so, but, uh, but then some things happened to where, uh, the place the next summer after I moved there in the fall, the place became unmanaged and was, ju- it was just myself as a general worker there by myself on 2,500 acres and shoot, that would have been six years ago. So I would have been 24 at the time, probably not in a mental state to be running a, <laughs> That's a, a lot of work to take on, yeah probably not in a mental state to be to be needing to be responsible for that but um god kind of provided me with the ability to to transform into into a role where i could take that over um and not even in a sense where i thought i took it over or anything like that it was just like i showed up every morning how i was supposed to and i kind of did just the general stuff um it's a cattle ranch but at that time um they had sold all of their, all of their stalker calves basically. Um, and they were just solely a stalker calf operation. Um, and they had sold them down to only like 50 or 75 head. And, uh, so I was able to show up and kind of manage that small, small number in a sense where I fed them every day. And then I would just go and and kind of take care of the property and build fence and, and brush hog where needed or mow hay when I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, just some small menial tasks really. Um, but it allowed me to build the repertoire and, the and the, uh, trust in the ownership group, um, of the ranch. So that then it was, I think later that fall, we, we kind of bought our first set of heifers and, uh, and started building our own cow herd rather than going back to stalker calves. And, uh, from that point on, I was able to, to, to work my way into and, and build my way into, into the cattle manager at Santa Fe ranch. And, uh, this October will be six years there. Oh, wow. So. Good stuff. Good stuff. So Kai, let's get into a little bit of your history and who you are. Introduce yourself to listeners. Okay. Well, I, uh, Tyrese, how, how Cody as, as Cody's calling into the, the ranching lifestyle kind of led him into the, into the cow calf deal and into the, the beef side of it. For me, it was, it was always the horses. Uh, ranching was just kind of a, a means to an end. It just gave me a, a way to use the colts that I was riding and an avenue to market them. You know, if they weren't, if they weren't going to make what I was trying to make them, I'd, uh, I'd make them a ranch horse. Cause at that time, you know, a uh, ranch horse, didn't carry the weight that it carries now. Now a yeah. ranch horse is expected to really be something. But in my teenage years, uh, a ranch horse was the one that didn't make anything else. So, but, but for me, the, the horses were always the deal. Uh, I've got an uncle, uh, Tim Scott that helps us with our, he helps us with our clinics. Um, he's a, a reigning horse trainer and he's trained some cutting horses and some Western pleasure horses. He's a really good trainer. And I got a chance from a, fairly young age uh, to go and ride with him and and see some of the things that that he could do and and that he could accomplish with a horse so i got to be around him and then 
as we got older, when I was about 14 or 15, I got a job at the racetrack galloping and exercising racehorses. And then 15, 16, somewhere in there, started riding saddle bronc horses. And we team roped a little bit. I even, I was even the dude wrangler. I led trail rides at a summer camp uh, for one summer. And ended up being an assistant trainer for a, for a racehorse trainer and then actually went out on our own and I had my trainer's license and uh, my wife and I, we trained for two years, but everything that we've done with the horses has always come back around to the, to the ranch horse side of things. And, and we've got hopes and, and goals that, um, that we are going to get back into showing. We've got two mares right now that are in full with what we're hoping to be really, really good poults that'll be our next show string but um it's just I, i've always had a, a passion for the horses and and for for whatever reason um god gave me some some ability with them where i didn't even realize that some of the things that just came easy to me or some of the things that just clicked and made sense to me didn't make sense or, or didn't come easily uh, to everybody else and it's taken me a while to get around and, and understand that, that some people like Cody was talking about baseball. I'm, I'm terrible at baseball. I played it one year in like sixth grade and, <laughs> and uh, they stuck me out in the outfield and forgot I was out there. But anyway, so it's just been a, a, something that, that came fairly easy to me early on. But now as I'm progressing in my horsemanship, I'm learning that it's definitely something where, the more you learn, the more you start to understand that you don't know. Yeah. Like every, every one thing you learn, every one thing you learn makes you realize there's five things you don't know. Yeah. And so that's just been an exciting journey. And and I've been married for six years now. We've got a daughter that's five and a a son that, that just turned one and talking about the, the COVID stuff earlier, man, it's been awesome for us because my daughter doesn't realize that anything's going on in the world. Yes. We've got a few acres here at our house and she's got her horse and I'll be riding a colt. She'll be riding her horse. We just go out and, and do stuff. We've been uh, getting a chance to day work quite a bit. There's a ranch uh, just about 20 miles from our house. Runs a bunch of yearlings and then has some pairs too. And, and so we've been going over there and helping them doctor on their yearlings and, and things like that. And, and we're just, we're just living life. It's just been, it's been great. But I can look back now from the point that I'm at in my life. I can look back to the time when I was a little bitty kid and I can see where God starts setting things in, in place. Each, each thing that I did, each person that I met when I was riding saddle brown courses and each horse that I met taught me something that I need to be when I'm here. And the people that I met in the racehorse industry, have gotten me to the point where I am now. So I don't know that that's kind of the, the short version, I guess, of, of our history is that just from the time I was little, it's been all about horses, any kind of horses, every kind of horse. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be on them. And it's given me a, a broader range of knowledge than if I had just focused on one thing you, you talked earlier about horses that, you know, if he's a cutting horse, he's got to be a cutting horse. Or if he's yeah, a yeah. reining horse, he's got to be a reining horse. There's a lot of people in our industry that are that way too. If they're a team roper, they're just a team roper. 
Well, a team roper that goes and, and rides with a reining trainer is going to be able to improve his horses. He's going to be able to get his horses stopping better. He's going to get them softer in the corner and, and yeah, all those yeah. kind of things. So I've been very blessed to, to be able to do that. And then the, as far as the, the cattle side of it and the, and the ranching side of it, again, I've been blessed to have some really good mentors in my life. Um, Don Horn, Don and his, his wife, Debbie, they've got a ranch in Northeast Oklahoma and, they were super instrumental in us being able to get the top hand clinic off the ground. And Don has, he has worked every big ranch in the country. I tell people that the difference in a big ranch and a famous ranch is whether or not Don Horns worked there. No but, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but they were, again, they were super instrumental in us being able to get top hand clinic off the ground. But I've had guys like that who have been there and done that. He, you know, when Don was a little kid, the ranch that his dad was managing, they were still raising up full-grown horned Hereford steers. They weren't selling them as yearlings like we do now. They were selling aged beef. And so Don got to go, when he was a little kid, gather this group of steers off the ranch and drive them two days to the other side of the ranch and load them on a train car. Like, there's not many people that have that experience anymore. And so I've been super blessed to be able to be around guys like that that were willing to take the time and explain to me the the etiquette of things, why we do things the way we do, and yeah. that it wasn't yeah. always just A, B, C, one, two, three. Yeah. That sometimes you stop and think about things and you've got a reason for the way that you do it. Yeah. I think you guys make some incredible points in both of your histories. Uh, Cody, I think a little later we're going to develop the point of being uncoachable, right, and transitioning mm-hmm. into now being an instructor yourself through these clinics. But yep. Kai, you make some great points. I mean, we talked about the versatility of all the skill sets, right, and how the ranch horse historically kind of was the dinks, and now yep. they're turning into like true – I mean, it's one of the most highly sought-after horses, right, is is the, the ranch yeah. gelding. And you make a great point, and I, I've lived a similar experience as of late looking back on your life and reflecting on your life and all these life experiences, right? When I was a young buck, and I can imagine you guys probably can relate to this, right? You put your head down and you work because you want to build a resume or you want to develop that experience. And it's all about you and your success and how good you are as an individual. But it's not until life humbles you a little bit, right? And for me, and I know it's it's the same journey for you guys, you start to dig a little deeper into your faith and you realize all those experiences are strategically placed to make you the men that you are today, to give you the experience to contribute or or work your piece of the pie, own your piece of the pie in the greater picture. And uh, I couldn't be more blessed to travel the path that I have traveled. And there's been many experiences in my life where they're less than favorable, right? I don't like it. I don't want to be a part of it. Uh, I didn't enjoy it. But it makes me who I am today, and it gives me incredible perspective to pull from in either helping people who are in that same journey or struggle or same season of life that I historically faced, you know, in challenges. But overall, it's increased my gratitude. And and I tell people, just like you need to change your attitude on some stuff, you need to change your gratitude on some stuff because... We might look at a we might look at a scenario and, and it'd be less than favorable, but a small change of perspective can make you grateful for those lessons learned and and grow you as a, as an individual, as a leader, as a man of faith, things of that sort. That's super true. Um, 
I know that I kind of look back on the moments of reflection I have are mostly, uh, mostly pretty cringeworthy. Yeah. Um, it seems like, we've all um, had them, man. That's what this show is about, right? It's not, Hey, kumbaya, let's hug it out. Like we've all fallen on our face. We've all been horrible people at some point. We've all made horrible, bad decisions or faced crazy circumstances, but let's learn yep. how to grow from it and help each other out. Yep. And that's exactly right. Cause like I said, it's like, it's, it's mostly a painful experience for me anyways, um, personally, whenever I try to kind of reflect upon the decisions I made and how I came to be where I am most of the time. Yeah. Um, but the, the biggest point that I always bring from it is the people that God placed in my life at those strategic points, um, that caught that, that as terrible as I was to be around 99% of the time, that God continued to give them the faith and the determination to stick it out with me, or at least to, uh, at least to continue to pour into me, even if they didn't necessarily enjoy it at that point in yeah. time, because, because that was, that was the how that I got to where I'm at. Um, and that's a lot of the motivation that, that I feel like I have now for sure in the, in the top hand clinic ministry itself, just because I can use and draw from a lot of my terrible cringeworthy experiences and try to pour back into those 17 to 25 year old guys that will come to our clinics. Um, and, and a lot of times they still have to go and, and make their mistakes, even when you tell them not to and beat their own head against the wall, because that's how, that's how quote unquote cowboys are. Um, but like we can still, attempt and try to pour into them just because like Kai said, we we're planting a seed. Even if we never get to see it grow, we're planting it in order for someone else to water it down the, down the road. And then eventually for God to make that grow. Yeah, that's incredible. So I think it's a great segue. Let's develop a uh, top hand ministry, right? How you guys came together. I mean, all of these clinics and all of these, these companies that I've had on the show, right? It all starts with that quote unquote napkin idea. Um, what were kind of some of the early experiences or thoughts or, or ideas of top hand? And let's talk about how it has developed and grown because what, what started with apprehension of who would even buy into a program like this has now grown into, uh, trying to find as many clinics fa- or facilities for clinics as possible. Cause, uh, just the demand is there, right? Right. Well, Cody and Cody and I had met through, um, Cody's cousin, the the one he went to Colorado with, the one that kind of got him really jump started cowboying. We had mm-hmm. we had met through him as a as a mutual friend, and and so I knew kind of Cody's heart on things. And uh, my wife and I, we were living in Oklahoma at the time, and I was just outside one day, just kind of looking around at the things that we had because we had just bought a place, and um, and we had bought fifty acres, and it doesn't seem like a lot to some people, but as for me and her both growing up, we never thought we would own 10 acres. Yeah. You know, we always thought we'd be working for somebody else. And, but this was the start of of, uh, of what we saw as our ranch and our future. So I was out there and I was just kind of looking at that and the horses. And, and we bought a real small handful of cows. And So I, I just started praying. And I was thanking God for, for being so good to us and for blessing us so much. And, and the, my prayer just was you've given us so much and and we could never ever repay what you've done for us. But how do we use what you've given us 
um, the, the physical things and the, the talents and the abilities and the opportunities. How do we use everything that you've given us to give back to you? How do we use it to glorify you and to further your kingdom? And so out of that prayer came the idea of, hey, we can use this 50 acres and we can use this ranching way of life and, and our horsemanship skills and all of that as an opportunity to bring people in and especially that group like Cody's talking about that, that group of, of tough, independent, hard headed, stubborn, young teenage boys that, that we can relate to so well, we can get them in with the cowboy and, and we can teach them that it presents an opportunity for us, not only to be a witness to them, but we get to spend two days with them. So it's not just us telling them our story. It's for two days they get to see us not only be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And they get to see, because there's a chance I'll get bucked off. I'm going to be riding a colt wherever we're going. Yeah. If yeah. I get bucked off, they're going to get to see how I respond to that. They're going to get to see how Cody and I treat our wives and how we treat our children. And, and so anyway, from that idea, I went inside and I, I told my wife, Casey, I said, hey, I've got this idea. And she knows that that I get big ideas sometimes. So she didn't take me very <laughs> you seriously, and I both, brother. <laughs> yeah. But, but within a couple weeks, there, it was just on my heart. Like, hey, this is something we need to do. So, knowing knowing kind of where Cody's heart was, I, I reached out to him and I gave him a phone call, and he just immediately said, "I, th- I think it's great. Let's let's start working on it and, yeah. and see what happens." And that was. That was uh, probably spring of 2018, and and here we are today. So that's a pretty quick turnaround for you guys to to come up with that spring of 2018. And if memory serves me correct, September of 2018 yep. is when you guys kind of first put boots on the ground per se and, and getting this deal rolling. That's that's yeah. part of the reason we were so scared it wasn't going to work. <laughs> yeah, it was it was incredible though because, like you said, like we weren't sure of what kind of uh, what kind of response we would have. But like to me, it, I guess with um, with having the kind of crazy faith that I try to claim that we have, it's like, well, we'll do it, and if God's going to bless it, then then yeah. we don't have to worry about it because if we're trying to honor Him he'll bless it in a way that even if it's a failure, it's at least a success, uh, like a minor success for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so either we'll learn from it and just think, Oh, well, we'll, we'll try to find something different to do next time. Or it'll, it'll be a super success the way that it's kind of gone off and it's, and it's jumped to now, yeah. because like you said, it, we, we gave it like five or six months or so maybe to, uh, to plan it. And then it was at Kai and Casey's house. Um, so it was pretty easy and like we tried to make it a, a fairly minimalistic as, as far as like their the accommodations for our for our clinic contestants or, or not they're not contestants but participants anyways mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to uh just a like a dry primitive camp um we would provide them with food um but like we're not going to eat ribeye steaks every meal or anything <laughs> like that either so it's like we're 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 it's almost like we're giving a more authentic cowboy experience yeah. because we'll eat like ham and beans or, or stew over the fire. That is a fairly easy, um, apprehendable meal to be able to provide for a large amount of people. Correct. Um, and then the whole main thing is like, uh, basically it's just 
the cowboy deal and the clinic side of it is a means to an end. And that end is that we get to share, share Christ with everybody. Um, and that's through, like Kai said, our, how we handle and conduct ourselves on a daily basis, just with like the world is full of, full of obstacles. So you can either choose to view it as an obstacle or as an opportunity. Um, and as a Christian, every obstacle should be an opportunity to glorify God even if it's a bad experience or, or if it's, if it's something you have to overcome, you can glorify God in the way that you choose to handle your business. Um, and that's one of the things that we try to emphasize on with showing these guys is like, Oh, it was several years ago during the NFR. They had the, like the cowboy cool, like it's still cool to be a cowboy. Um, they had that promotion going on where they were trying to promote the cowboy culture. Um, and like their catchphrase was, was it still cool to be a cowboy? And like our whole goal is that, uh, that it's, it's cool to be a cowboy, but it's also cool to be a Christian. Yes. Um, you don't, you don't have to live your life thinking that Christianity is basically just a, a set of rules that you fall behind and that you never get to have your freedom or fun or anything like that. Like you can still do and live your life in an extremely awesome fashion being a Christian. It's not just, it's not like a slavery servitude to some mythical God that just wants to look down on everybody. Like Christianity is still a, an awesome, cool thing that we get to live our lives in a way that glorifies God. And he's going to bless us in return. And I'll tell you in my experience, when you have that moment of clarity and understand that your life is dedicated or you are dedicating yourself to something greater than you, it's a huge breath of fresh air, right? It provides, for me personally, it provides incredible motivation to keep fighting. And I had just earlier this week, I had a conversation about how at times this show's exhausting, right? Because I have my own 40-hour work week and I have my own place to look after and horses and family and business and then a podcast on top of that, right? Mm-hmm. And a man's only got so many hours in a day. And there's been many times where I've had to figure out how I'm going to fit 50 hours of work in 24. But I had a conversation with a very close friend of mine, mentor, he's a previous guest on this show, about – and you guys hit on this. We discussed it earlier is that – you cannot get discouraged by not seeing results, right? And understanding that for this podcast, by way of example, it's serving a greater population. And I do not personally get to hear about all the successes on it all the time. That's just unrealistic, right? Mm-hmm. But to know that all the man hours that go into this show and the production of the show, whether it be scheduling and marketing and social media and getting the actual shows produced and things of that sort – It's serving a greater purpose and I need to do my part and I need to own it and I need to be accountable for the work that needs to be done to serve his purpose. Because after all, this show is about improving lives, right? And and we've all fallen on our face and we've all struggled and we've all learned. And for those of us willing to share our testimony to benefit the guy standing next to us, that's where all this growth takes place. You know, when I tell people I've fallen flat on my face. But if I can help you just fall maybe a little bit softer, then I think I've done my job, you know. And and I know oh, yeah. Top Hand exemplifies that because you are hitting individuals in some of the more influential years, right? Where they're coming out of their teenage years and they're going into adulthood and, and we can go down the right path. We can go down the wrong path. And 
Yeah, that's where all our good decisions are made. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. But, and but we want to we want to look at challenges and obstacles so often as challenges and obstacles, and and we want to complain about them. But something that we've seen is that when when we get in there and somebody's horse that they thought was going to excel and it's not and it's giving them problems and they're getting frustrated and they're getting mad they start to get a little bit emotionally vulnerable. Yes. And some of the coolest times that I've had at our clinics have been way after hours when when everything's done, all the horses are put away, we've got a little campfire going or something, and somebody that I've never met until that clinic comes and pulls me to the side, and they're just like, hey, man, I'm, I'm struggling with this, or this is on my heart, or, or what do you think about this? There's a, there is a definite benefit to us getting a little bit tired and a little bit frustrated because it, it opens us up. And we've had people that, like I say, we had never met before that clinic that became lifelong friends, guys that I still talk to on a weekly basis now. And we've had people where they would call me a couple weeks, a month, six months, whatever, after a clinic, and you can just hear excitement in their voice, and they would say, you know, before we've always just ran our calves through the chute when we worked them. But today a group of us that had been at one of your clinics came together and we healed all our calves and we drug them to the fire to brand them. And How incredible can, is that? You can see their smile through their, through the phone. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, so it's, it's very, it's very uplifting for us to, uh, this, this sounds bad. It's uplifting for us to see people go through trials because as they go through trials, they have to stop and have a moment of self-realization and see where they're at. And you can't be, you can't be proud and arrogant and cocky while yeah. you're falling on your face. Yeah, it's it, true. It humbles you very much, very, exactly. very much. So, and for that, we want our clinics to be challenging. We want them to be at a suitable level for every person. Where uh, we have a a primary goal of setting everyone up for success. We're not going to ask somebody that has never roped a calf before to, to go chase one down out in the pasture and, and rope it and bring it back by themselves. We're yeah, going to set them yeah. up for success, but also mm-hmm. we're going to try to push them really hard where even if, yep. even if they never go cowboy again, even if they never go ride a horse again, they learned a little bit of something about themselves that, Hey, I am capable of stepping beyond my comfort zone and I'm capable of more than I thought I was. Correct. Correct. I do want to, I do want to take this time and develop kind of the clinic format and some of the goals and the objectives that you guys strive to achieve through your top hand clinics, because you are teaching an actual skill set, right? A labor skill set. However, all those skill sets pertain to lessons learned in life, right? So not only are you developing a skill set for these individuals, but you're developing skill sets within the individuals to prove better, prove more success down the road. So let's kind of go through a typical format of a clinic and kind of some of your goals and objectives, the skill sets and what you're setting, what objectives you're setting for your participants. Well, basically kind of how our, how our clinics start is um, we'll invite people to show up on Friday evening and we kind of get horses settled in and all like the logistics of putting 10 or 15 people with 10 or 15 or 20 new horses all together all at once. Um, and then just how we want to start the day on Saturday, we kind of, we invite people to show up on Friday evening, wherever we're at to camp out and then kind of, um, 
we don't pin all of our horses together, but like fighting through the fence and stuff like that, we try to get it out of the way before our main stuff happens on Saturday. So that's why we'll invite people on Friday. Um, and at some places it's been Friday afternoon or Friday morning because we've got some stuff to get ready. And then at other places it's after you get off work on, uh, on Friday, you can show up and start camping and then we're ready to go kicking off Saturday morning. But basically our Saturdays normally look like, um, like the Saturday morning session until lunchtime from about eight thirty or nine o'clock. We have a horsemanship session. Um, and basically with that, um, especially at these, at these, um, branding clinics, what we'll do is we'll have several different stations set up and partly it's for us to be able to evaluate the students and to evaluate where their horse is at. And the other part is so that if they are struggling with something, we can help to teach them the skills necessary to progress into the clinic for branding a calf. Um, and it stems around moving their horse around, um, through some different horsemanship drills, finding out where, what the horse's level is at and what the rider level is at through, uh, through moving kind of their hips and their shoulders, kind of trotting some circles and, uh, just giving them some real basic stuff. And then the other side of it is, uh, because it's generally branding or a roping based clinic, we make them swing a horse, swing a rope off of a horse to make sure that every horse has at least had a rope swung off of it. Um, so we rope a few stationary dummies. Um, we have a few smarty steers that we've, we've taken that we'll kind of drag around, um, either with a side by side or a four wheeler so that people can start practicing their healing, um, and doing some stuff like that. Um, and that's how our Saturday mornings normally go till lunchtime. And then on Saturday afternoon, we try to make a moderate size circle to start on our cattle herd work. Um, where we'll go out and we might gather a close pasture of, of either some extra cattle or, uh, or there's times where we will gather, gather the cattle and just kind of hold them up in the corner of the pasture and start teaching on some, uh, teaching on some herd work stuff or like we'll, we'll sort on them a little bit just in the corner of the pasture, just, just to introduce horses to cattle or, uh, or to, to further evaluate where our students are at. Um, but also to, to lead it to learning opportunities so that we can kind of show them like you can sort bulls off of a set of cows this way, or you can go ahead and you could work a set of calves right here in the corner of the pasture if you want to, just holding them up like a roe deer. Um, and we'll do that for the majority of the afternoon until dinner time. And then we'll have, we'll kind of have a short break and, uh, and be able to, uh, put horses up and do our feeding and watering, taking care of our horses because part of our, part of our job as a cowboy is not just to have good horsemanship and good stockmanship for our cattle and horses for work, but we have to honor the animals that we're doing that work on because God has given us dominion over them. Yeah. I love that. So in honoring, in honoring them, we have to take good care of them at the end of each day. Um, and then we'll kind of decompress from if some of those guys have, uh, have met some frustrations or even, even kids or, or, or the gals that come to our clinic, just if they've, they've had some frustrations, they can kind of decompress through, through chores and up till dinner time. And then we'll have a dinner. And, uh, I believe we have a dinner and a sermon Saturday evening. Um, on, on Saturday at lunchtime, we also do have a sermon. 
Um, so we'll have lunchtime for our break and a sermon at one, uh, at midday. And then whenever we eat dinner, we'll have either a, a testimony or a sermon again um, on Saturday evening. And then it's just kind of a social gathering for the rest of the evening until we go to bed. Um, Sunday morning, we will get up and uh, some places we've gone and done a gather super early to get cattle to the pens um, before church service. And then other times we have uh, gotten up and had breakfast and had a church service until nine o'clock or so. And then we then we catch horses saddle and we go and gather our cattle to have an actual working branding on Sunday. And we will brand calves until we get them finished. And at the end, we'll have another either another sermon or a testimony um, from from somebody that we know and uh, in our award ceremony. And that's kind of the kind of the clinic in and of itself. It's incredible that you guys cover that much ground in essentially 48 hours, right? Because there's a. There's a lot that goes into all of it, right? Whether you as an individual are learning about yourself, whether it be through reflection or challenges faced in the clinic, whether you're learning or adhering to faith, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, gosh, the horsemanship side of things, the stockmanship side of things. I mean, that's a lot to offer in a 48 hour time span. So it's <laughs> obvious where, where the demand is coming from and the need to, to build and expand, but. In the same vein, it's incredible to watch people change so dramatically, right, in a 48-hour time span, whether it's finding a better relationship with their horse, understanding better management of cattle, or developing that relationship with God. Yeah, and that's kind of kind of where we come from is like um, through that clinic, there are so many different things to be able to touch on and to learn and to improve on that um, our main, our goal in the very end is that every student has an opportunity to rope and drag or to heal a, a neck calf at least once on Sunday. Um, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but even if it doesn't, we don't feel it's a huge, um, that it's a huge failure, failure just because we've had so many other opportunities where somebody that may have never seen even seen a horse could at least go and ride and gather cattle with us on Saturday afternoon or can can rope a stationary dummy by the end of the weekend to where their skill set may have started at at zero or or just on like say on a scale of, of zero to ten it could have started at a zero and improved to a two or a three yeah. or they could have started at an eight and excelled at everything on Saturday and then branded calves and we were able to show them another shot angle for a loop to throw or, or something like that. So they improve from an eight to a nine. Um, kind of our goal is that we can hit every single every single skill set and be able to help every person at least gain something from the clinic rather than it being like a cut and dry, um, like, show up not knowing anything and we're only going to teach you this. Yeah. Um, like we want it to be broad enough that we can improve anybody on, on most of their skills. And we don't say that because Kai and I are, are superior to, to anybody. I'm sure you can find better clinicians all over the country, but we have enough skill set to be able to provide this for people because we have enough of our own, hard knocks experience or we have gained that experience through learning from other super awesome guys because 
Kai and I have had the opportunity to be around a ton of extremely awesome cowboys, cattlemen, horsemen, um, just through our upbringing and, and our adult life with who we hang out with now. And what I think is most commendable in your your effort at Top Hand, I mean, you guys are incredible stewards of, of skill sets you've been given, right? Not only with the, the ranching side of things, but your faith as well. Uh, but it allows you a great opportunity to be ambassadors for the profession, to carry on mm-hmm. tradition, right? And develop a legacy in, in bringing up the next generation of cowboy or cowgirl. And, and you don't know, you know, I think it's incredible that you take people with virtually zero experience and put them in one of the more challenging circumstances, in my opinion, in horsemanship, right, is understanding that ranch horse, operating that ranch horse, and being functional on that ranch horse in open, uncontrolled country. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're, we're very passionate about that. We don't, we don't want to just be cowboys because of the tradition. We do love the tradition of it. But also, especially like with Cody and the, the ranch that he manages, if there was a better way, if he believed in his heart that there was a better way to take care of his cattle, he would do it that way for the cattle's sake. Yeah. We yeah. continue to use the cowboy traditions because we honestly believe that they are the lowest stress. They are the best for the cattle. So not only do we love getting to do things a horseback, we believe that that's the best way. So we want to encourage others to to continue that. Yeah. And we want to see young people grow up in in this way of doing things, in this style of doing things. And, and Cody and I have different styles in the way that we cowboy, but our our philosophies are the are the same in in what we want to accomplish. So for for us there ends up being two sides to it one is that if your dad doesn't have a ranch it's going to be hard for you to break in to getting to go and cowboy on these on these places yeah. um, where where i kind of grew up there was about 10 guys that were well known in the area as good cowboys and they got all the day work anytime somebody needed help they called one of those 10 guys yeah and if you were an outsider, you were unable to break in. So we hope to be able to give people some of that experience where then they are confident in, in saying, hey, I am capable of doing this. And, and people understand they're capable of doing it and they'll be able to go and get some work. The other side of it is there will be people that have ridden a horse their whole life that don't understand what goes into putting a stake on their plate. <laughs> Ain't and that the truth? For for us, as like you said, as as ambassadors of agriculture, we need to show people, and we need to to let people begin to understand that this is this is hard work. There's a lot that goes into it, and that our heart, our passion goes into it, and we are doing our best to take care of these cattle in the best way that that we know how. And when somebody who's never been around it has the chance to come out there and sweat and get some rope burns and get some blisters and, and get sore from being in the saddle all day. They have a little greater appreciation the next time they go to town and, and they order beef. Yeah. So yeah, we, we want to, we want to do both sides of that. We want to take people that have a desire to go forward being cowboys and give them the skill set to do so. 
in in hopes that our traditions and our way of life will continue. But also, we want to take people who have no intentions whatsoever of being a cowboy, kind of an, an agricultural tourism, if you will, of them mm-hmm. just wanting to come and see what it's about. And we want to mm-hmm. give them the full experience where they do understand, where when they go home and they take their city friends that have never even seen a horse, they all go out to the steakhouse. They're going to say, you won't believe what it took to get this steak on yeah, the plate. It starts a great conversation. Yeah. And that, like you said, I mean, it even goes further than that for me because a lot of my, um, I've been since starting this, the whole reason that I got into the ranching side of it was to be around the horses. Um, because I felt, I guess I, I call it, I, I fell into the thought process of like, I'm going to start a family and try to make a living at this. So how is the easiest way to do it? And it was through, being a working ranch cowboy or, or managing a ranch, um, come to find out now through all of my experience, I probably get to spend less time on a horse because I'm managing the ranch. <laughs> yes. Just because I have a lot more paperwork and other, 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 uh, um, things that I have to be responsible for than just being able to saddle my horse every morning and go ride their cows. Um, but with that, like Kai said, like it, trying to teach people the appreciation of, of where that steak or where that hamburger comes from, because, um, I'll, uh, I guess I'll, I'll lead into a small story just because, um, I shipped a group of, I shipped a couple of groups of calves. Um, Oh, it's been two weeks ago now, I think, or three weeks ago, um, which would have been at the, the, the first of September. And basically those calves were right at a year old. They were born, a year ago that September, but their entire life cycle. So for us to be able to sell them and and generate the revenue to cash the check for us to pay our bills was right now, but their entire life cycle and the management of them had to start taking place almost 20 months ago because we had to breed that cow initially. And then we had nine to 10 months of gestation. And then that calf had to survive birth and we had to take care of it from birth until weaning. And then from weaning this spring all the way through this summer till this fall when we could sell it. So the the appreciation for me is, is I, I don't want to say much deeper, but I have a, a greater understanding than somebody that's ungrateful for what we're selling in a store or at a restaurant just because they see, oh, well, there's a steak. I can just order one and it'll show up. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, that thought process has to start, oh, like 20 months almost before. Almost two years to get a check. Can, yeah, almost almost two years before I can even get a check for a wean calf that has been lined out and preconditioned. And then from this point, even there's probably still another 12 months worth of growth that that calf has to take place before slaughter. Yeah. Um, So for the entire life cycle of it, it's 24 to 30 months before that calf goes from birth to slaughter. And then there's another nine or 10 months before that. So, I mean, the thought processor, the thought process of a beef producer is like, it's, it's not an overnight deal the way that a lot of people want to minimize it to. Um, So that runs in that, goes down a huge rabbit hole that we really don't touch a lot on in our clinics, but it can begin to show and translate that through some of the things that we have to do through the hard work it takes just from seeing them at branding time 
and making sure that they're vaccinated and dewormed and branded properly. And then the steers are castrated correctly. Yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. And I think it's incredible that you guys fit so much in. I mean, what a rich experience on so many levels. And for listeners uh, who want to follow more of Top Hand, where can they find you guys? And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about some upcoming events. So let's start with social media, email, things of that sort, and then we'll get into the clinics. Okay. Our, on Facebook is, is really the only platform that we're utilizing right now. Um, like I say, we're still in the growing process, but um, Top Hand Clinics, it's a uh, our page on Facebook. Everything's spelled just like it sounds. We we post a lot on there about our upcoming events. Each time we have a clinic, uh, we try to get some really good pictures or some good videos. So uh, it's awesome for everybody to go back there. and They can kind of see what we've done in the past and get an idea of, of what the clinics are like. And, and it also gives people who have been to a clinic a chance to go back and, and have some photos to, to remember that time. And, but... Um, another thing that, that we put on there every once in a while, God will just lay it on one of our hearts, uh, a little message or a little word of encouragement. And um, so there'll be some short videos uh, of that nature on there. If anybody would like to contact us, they can either message us through that page or our email is tophandclinics at gmail.com. It's all lowercase tophandclinics at gmail.com that's the best way um, to get a hold of us or, or to at least initiate a conversation and uh, we can go from there good stuff so as far as clinics we have an october event coming up the 17th and 18th in carthage missouri and then november 7th and 8th in mount grove missouri uh, maybe yes, talk sir. a little bit about those events when they're going to be open for enrollment and uh, what they have to offer folks I'll talk about the one um, in Carthage, and then I'm going to let Cody talk about the one in Mountain Grove because that's going to be kind of his his baby. Okay. Um, in Carthage is going to be um, kind of a new experience for us as all of our previous clinics have taken place on a ranch. But there's a really great cowboy church, Risen Ranch Cowboy Church in Carthage, that is offered to let us use their arena to put on a clinic. So that's going to be October 17th and 18th. And things are going to look a little bit different because the setting's different, but it's going to be the exact same curriculum. We're still going to work our horsemanship. We're still going to gather and and move cattle and and learn how to handle cattle, and we're still going to rope and and brand stuff. So um, one thing that we hadn't gotten into very much, and and it'll show up now in in these two clinics, is I'm, I'm from Oklahoma, but I'm a Texan now, and we use about 28 foot long ropes and tie them off hard to our saddle horn. Cody is, is more of the great basin buckaroo type of, they carry 60 foot ropes and, and dally on, on really slick horns where your rope can slide and everything. Two completely different styles, but we can work really well together because we have the same philosophy of low stress stock handling and we've got the same goal in mind. So at Carthage, and it's going to be more of a of a short rope type of, of clinic. And anybody could come. Anybody would fit in. If somebody wanted to bring their long rope and their slick horn, they would fit in great. But our style of branding for Carthage will be a heel and drag branding versus as we go to Mountain Grove, 
Cody is going to kind of take charge and he's going to lead us through a head and heel buckaroo style, Brandon. Cody, you want to develop the uh, November clinic a little bit? Like Kai said, um, it's two totally different styles, um, but every once in a while I get Kai to uh, to take the horn knot off and he will try to tally every <laughs> once in a while um, until he burns his hand and then he puts his horn knot back, back on. on. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I don't yeah. blame you. I uh, prefer to count to 10. And they they continue to try to convince me to uh to tie to tie my rope on but i don't necessarily see a need whenever my hands are fast enough to dally you'll grow um, up one of these days yeah yeah there we go something like that. <laughs> um but no it's really great um we branded calves at the the place that we're going to go to in in mountain grove we've i've kind of day worked with them some and then we branded calves with them neighboring um when I say neighboring, it's used, it's a loose term for us just because, uh, in Missouri, there's so few places that will brand their calves just in general. And just because it's not a brand state. Um, but then also, um, the, the, the community of people that will, that will be like-minded is fewer and farther between than people that actually even brand. So, uh, like when I say we neighbor and, and we'll go and travel and brand with them, we might we might drive three or four hours at three o'clock in the morning to brand calves with them or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just because it's nearly across the state or something yeah. like that. But we have a small community of, of friends that that we'll do that with. And and Bob and Ann Demarith, um are are at Mountain Grove, and that's where our clinic will take place. And they're 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 one of those more like minded. Um, couples that manage cattle the same way that I do. Um, and, and we'll do a heading and healing branding there on Sunday. Um, and it will basically, we'll kind of hold those cattle up in a small road deer, um, in a, in a large trap next to their set of corrals. And then we'll, we'll ride into the road deer, um, with cows and everything still left in them. We won't sort anything that morning. Um, but we can rope those calves right out of the road deer and drag them towards the fire on a neck rope and heal them along the way. Um, and that's where we'll be teaching people the aspects of that style of branding, um, more kind of Great Basin or, or California style. Well, we sure have covered a lot of ground related to top hand in the clinics and what you guys have to offer in your ministry efforts. I think it's most commendable, uh, like we talked about in the show previously, right? You're developing not only physical skill sets in individuals, but you're developing skill sets that will help them in life and life lessons. As we wrap every episode, uh, I ask a question surrounding freedom. And in your guys' experience, Cody, we'll start with you first. What is a life lesson or a skill set that you can offer in legacy to maybe help somebody who's coming up down a path that you just previously traveled? Man, for me, like it's uh, it's honestly fairly simple. It's, it's complex in a sense, but it's a fairly simple answer. Just because, um, I guess the what what I found the most freeing in my entire life um, was whenever I whenever I fully submitted to the power of Christ um, through my through the salvation of Christ and uh, and and developing my faith to where I actually got serious about it in in my mid twenties to my early to mid twenties was probably, probably the most freeing thing that I found. Um, just because like I had said earlier, like I was, I was not a, not a stellar human being, um, <laughs> through my late teens and early twenties. Um, 
Like I was extremely uncoachable, um, even to the extent of like the people that were surrounding me that were, were faithful Christians that were pouring into me. Like I would become resentful of them because they were just trying to hold me accountable. I think. Yeah. Um, that's a tough lesson. And I, I supremely just, just did not enjoy that at all. Um, and it was because I found too much joy in the sin that I lived in. Um, and essentially like I was able to bounce from job to job and found mild success, but always blame the failure of that on the job itself or the people that were there. Um, like I found the most freedom that I've ever found in my life. Whenever I submitted to the power of Christ and I started taking responsibility and ownership of my own actions, whenever I was able to dedicate my life to a more powerful being than just myself and I started trying to release that selfish nature inside of myself, the success that I had found and the unhappiness I had it and being able to, to, to have a job that I thought was awesome. And I would just leave it because I would get mad or something like that. Um, that started to leave and I started to find enjoyment in the things that I was doing in life just because it was greater than myself. Um, I was able to submit to God And that freedom that I had found in that, like, even on a bad day, it was a good day because there was something greater than I. Yep, yep. That's incredible stuff. Kai, what for you, what would you offer people as words of advice in in helping an individual find freedom in a challenge that they faced? Something something big for me was I had always felt like I had to to accomplish something. I had to prove myself as something. If I was going to ride a horse, I couldn't just ride him and enjoy him. We had to, I had to be training all the time. He had to be getting better because I thought if I didn't go out and win a reigning class somewhere, that I was not validated as a horse trainer. Yeah. Or if I wasn't the best cowboy on the gather, that I wasn't validated as being a cowboy. And something that's come up for us lately um, in, in our clinics is Acts chapter 4, verse 13 says, that they saw John and Peter and they were amazed by the confidence that John and Peter had because it said they could recognize that these were just ordinary men. It, it, uh, the new King James version says that they were untrained and uneducated, but it said they could tell that they'd been with Jesus. And for me trying to apply that to my life has been huge because I can be untrained and uneducated. I can be just ordinary. I don't have to be, the best at everything that I do because I am who I am. I was created a certain way for a certain reason. And, and maybe there is somebody that was created to go and be the AQHA world champion this year. Maybe that wasn't me, but if I can just walk in what I am and I can just be, I can be joyful and I can be grateful instead of, instead of having to try to validate myself all the time, it takes so much pressure off and it makes it so much more fun. I'm, I'm to a point now where I've got a two year old that I'm riding and I, and I love him. I love him, but he's a knothead. And <laughs> I just, there's times when I'm like, Oh, he's just, he's going to be a failure because I'm not training on him. I'm not teaching him this, but then I can think about that scripture and I can just kind of drop my hand and let that colt go. And when I see myself relax, when I just kind of say, Hey, it's okay for me to just be me. I don't have to try to be this guy or that guy. I can just be me. When that comes over me, 
it's amazing how much that horse relaxes and how much he's content then to just be himself. And so much more joy comes from that. And it makes it, it's made my marriage better because I'm not always resentful and, and grouchy towards my wife because I feel like I'm a failure. Yeah, I feel like I'm okay now. And that translates into how I treat my wife and how I treat my children and others around me. And, and there's, there's no stress, no anxiety, no worry. I've, I've got joy and I've got peace and I've got comfort because I've, I've just taken a deep breath and said, my identity comes from my relationship with Christ, not from any gold buckle that I've got or any award that I've got hanging up in my house. And it's so nice just to be able to take a deep breath and relax and enjoy the things around me instead of saying it's not enough. I've got to be better and I've got to have more. And it's incredible. I think I think that scripture addresses the misconception that value can only be found in greatness, in wealth, in fame, in fortune, all that, right? Absolutely. In reality, quote unquote, ordinary is where the value is, right? And that's, that's I think so many guests on this show represent that, right? We are the yeah. quote unquote, common man, but every mm-hmm. single testimony has power, has value, and has the ability to change an individual's life. It's great stuff. Well, man, uh, I sure appreciate all your time, uh, especially setting time aside in your busy schedules for everybody here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If there's anything that we can do to support top hand clinics, please do not hesitate to reach out. I cannot thank you guys enough for your contributions to the Western way of life and developing the upcoming generation of cowboys and cowgirls. We we appreciate you. Thank you very much for having us and giving us a chance to talk about something that, that we're so passionate about and something that's dear to our hearts. We we really, really appreciate you. Yes, sir. You guys Absolutely. take care and we'll uh we'll talk to you down the road. Absolutely, thank you. Yep. Thanks. Hey, thanks for riding along with another episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast and being part of our Freedom Family. If you want to provide greater support of this show, visit patreon.com forward slash let freedom reign podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. And Reign is spelled R-E-I-N. There you can provide a donation at a cost less than the fancy cup of coffee you're probably holding to help us produce free weekly content. For collaborations, to book us as a guest for your next event or to make guest recommendations, email us at info.lfrpodcast at gmail.com. For the most up-to-date information on Let Freedom Reign, visit our Facebook and Instagram page at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Additionally, you can find us on Twitter at Let Freedom Reign underscore. We cannot thank you enough for being our most loyal listeners, and we'll see you on the next one.